faces a choice. This is Battleground America. Here's Tara Servatius. This weekend, Americans got a good look at what the Democrats have planned for us. Daryl Brooks, wanted on multiple charges, a convicted sex offender, it turns out had run over his girlfriend with a car. She had to be hospitalized. He bonded out on that for $1,000. Little digging, and it's the same old story. Liberal DA. In liberal hotspots, where these liberal bond policies are already the law, you've seen everything from drugstores closing down because they can't stop the thefts off their shelves, to New York, where a gang that roves around in Mercedes targets hotspots where the wealthy congregate to eat or hang out or live and simply attacks them in broad daylight, taking their jewelry, their wallets. The gang, according to the New York Post, has already scored just this year more than $4 million. That's right, because you get arrested, they turn you right back out the door. But the Democrats' plans are so much bigger than that. Folks, I don't think people fully understand what they want to do. You're thinking, yeah, I've seen the smash and grab videos from L.A. and San Fran this week where robbery crews, 25 people, will all pull up in front of the store, walk in, wipe it out, walk back out. No biggie. But the Democrats plans so much bigger than this. I first got an inkling of the horror of it when I was driving down I-85 here in Greenville County and I saw a billboard. This was during the 2020 presidential primary in the Democrat Party, which was pretty hot here in South Carolina. And it was the ACLU bragging that these were the candidates pledging to release half of federal inmates. Half? Joe Biden was one of them. So was Pete Buttigieg. Just half right out the door? Yep. Here's the thing people don't understand about federal inmates versus the regular ones in your states or your local jail. They're among the most dangerous people in the country. These aren't people who got caught with a dime bag of pot. The DOJ doesn't bother with that. These are human traffickers, child sex offenders, people who run major conspiracies and have their opponents killed. That's what's in federal prison. The worst of the worst. Democrats don't care. They're planning to release half Here's Joe Biden during the campaign vowing to do just that. Do you commit to cutting incarceration by 50% if elected? We can do it more than that. There there should be no... uh, Look, get again, get his name. I'll send you exactly what my program is. Is it a yes or or no? Yeah, the answer is yes. Thank you. But I got a better plan than you guys have. I I can't wait to hear it. So this is very much mainstream in the Democrat Party. In fact, letting out half of the federal prison population, that's so 2020, they've moved on to a bigger and better proposition. All of it. Let them all go. This outrageous interview is of Representative Rashida Tlaib. She's a member of the squad, and she's talking about the Democrats' prison bill, their law enforcement bill. And what it would do. The interview is being done by liberal axios. And even they can't believe what's being proposed here. In 2020, you endorsed uh, the BREATHE Act, which is a series of proposals to transform America's criminal justice system Mm -hmm. and create, quote, a roadmap for prison abolition. 
The Breathe Act proposes emptying federal detention facilities within 10 years. To what extent have you wrestled with any potential downsides of releasing into society every single person who's currently in a federal prison? Yeah, I, again, I think that everyone's like, oh my God, we're going to just release everybody. That's not That's what, what the, that Yeah, says. but did you see how many people are mentally ill that are in prison right now? No, I know, but the act that you so endorsed keep, actually gonna, says release everyone in But 10 in 10 years. years, but think about it, who are releasing? But there are like human traffickers. Oh, I know. Child sex. So, but I you're mean, saying, do you mean that you don't actually support that? No. Because you endorsed the bill. No, I endorsed the Breathe Act and looking at federal, the policies and how we incarcerate. Absolutely. But it says in there. But you cannot, you cannot, you cannot just blankly say, oh, look, she wants, that's not what I'm saying. But that's like in plain text. But it? what I'm saying is look at who's in prison now. No, look at the I'm folks that are mentally ill, that I, have substance abuse but, problems. But I'm not have, disagreeing with you that there are people who, who yeah, shouldn't be in prison. Yeah, but then why aren't you asking me about them? You're asking me about the crimi- human no, traffickers and others that no, should, I'm st- trying should to understand. be no, 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 no. What I'm trying to understand is your, your proposal is so sweeping. It oh, does oh, It does release yeah. everyone. And what I'm trying to say to you Within is... Within 10 years, and yeah. obviously there's a process of looking at how can we get away from mass incarceration sure. and move towards care first. But what I'm trying to understand, because it is such a sweeping concrete proposal, do you believe that there are still categories of people who, who should are, be behind bars? There are absolutely... Yeah, she just goes on to say that she doesn't know what those are and she'd have to study them. And until then, she's just for letting everybody go. Because it's, you know, safer that way. It is not just me saying it. It is experts and others out there saying this is actually, you know, not keeping us safe because folks are getting released and they didn't get the care they needed. But in your vision, there is still um, whatever proportion they are, a small proportion who do need to be behind bars. Yeah. Again, I would have to look at every case individually and figure that all out. I can't just say that. I mean, but you do believe that prison should still exist. But I want the American people to know. They need to know this. Everyone in jail is not the same because we always pick the worst of the worst cases. Yeah, but we pick up the worst of the worst cases and we just blanketly. I agree. Please. I mean, I think that's really dangerous because a lot of my returning residents are in block clubs doing amazing things. Youth mentoring right now. I have one that all he does is encourage young people not to enter into gangs um, and talking about like this is what happened to me in my life. Uh, there are some that, you know, are going back to school and one just became a lawyer. I mean, you know, I, I just think that, that to me is much more inspiring than locking everybody up. Keep in mind, this is an administration with a vice president that raised money for the people burning buildings down so they could be bailed out and go do it again. Yep. And Kamala Harris didn't do it alone. Remember, Biden's own campaign staffers did, too. This is where they're coming from to make sure their street thugs can operate with impunity. Speaking of which, the stuff coming out on Daryl Brooks is as shocking as the media telling us we can't possibly know what the motivation was for the massacre in Wisconsin. This is from the same Democrat-led media that can look at Kyle Rittenhouse and tell he's a white supremacist just by looking at him. They've never offered one shred, one scintilla of evidence that he is a white supremacist, follows white supremacy, agrees with that orientation, or is a member of any kind of militia or group. Doesn't matter. He's a white supremacist, which makes it absolutely unbelievable when you consider that Daryl Brooks, who just did the massacre massacre in Wisconsin, is a self 
described black supremacist. Yep, that's what he actually called himself. In one of his rap songs online, entitled Minnesota, he lauds BLM icons George Floyd and Eric Garner. Nothing wrong with that. It's this part that came after. Quote, try and use deadly force. We gonna go harder. Blank a price. Burn it down. Pretty clear to me what he was saying. It'd be clear to the whole country and very obvious had it been in a Kyle Rittenhouse account. But right now the media is telling us we just can't possibly know what the motive might be if there even was one for this. I don't know. How about this? Another post during the George Floyd riots encouraging black people to commit random violence against white people, which is exactly what Brooks did in the Wisconsin massacre. Here's a quote from his social media, his Twitter account, quote, we start back knocking white people TF out. We start back knocking white people out. That's what he did with the car. In another post, he refers to white people as the enemy. And yet, we're just supposed to pretend. Pretend there's no way we could possibly know. Pretend that this wasn't another Black Lives Matter media propaganda-inspired terror attack. The second one in a year. Same M.O. with a car. Remember the first one? Of course you don't. The media buried that one. While they spent a long time assuring you that Trump supporters had murdered somebody at the Capitol, a Capitol police officer, it turned out they hadn't killed anybody. That guy died of natural causes. But a Capitol police officer was murdered soon after the January 6th riots. But that was in a terror attack by a guy who believed in black nationalism, supported Joe Biden, and had Black Lives Matter rhetoric All over his account. He crashed through a barrier in a car, the same M.O. that Daryl Brooks used at the Capitol, killing one Capitol police officer and wounding another. I bet you've never heard anything about it, except on this podcast. In fact, still to this day, put in Capitol police officer killed, and Brian Sicknick is the first one of the entries that'll come up on Google. He wasn't killed by anybody. He died of natural causes. You've got to go to the second one to find out what happened to William Billy Evans, an 18-year veteran of the Capitol Police Force. He is, unfortunately, dead because he was murdered in an attack at the Capitol checkpoint done in exactly the same style. I can't get past this. They would be drawing these connections if it was one of us. The attack was brutal. The suspect, Noah Green, not only rammed his car into the officers. When that didn't do the job, he got out and stabbed them repeatedly with a knife. It was a bloody, brutal scene. The kind that if this had been a Trump supporter, if somebody had just had posts supporting Trump before they went insane and did a thing like this, Trump would have to apologize for it. We'd all be deemed terrorists, and the FBI would be breathing down our backs. Like a Virginia school mom at a school board meeting. But since he was a Biden supporter who subscribed to the theories of Louis Farrakhan and was a big fan of Black Lives Matter, it was all cool. And nobody wants to talk again about how Daryl Brooks copied his M.O. exactly. My point in bringing this up is that leftists have begun to warp the minds 
of people who ascribe to these philosophies. They are increasingly driving them to violence, and we're not even allowed to talk about it. Meanwhile, on the other side, when people defend themselves from the violence of left-wingers, they're castigated in the media as white supremacists. The power of the propaganda is unbelievable. The damage it does, measured in broken, battered, torn bodies, leaving in its wake, unbelievable. Nobody nailed this better this week than Paul Joseph Watson of Prison Planet. But within hours of the incident, the media told us that the culprit was just fleeing the scene of another crime and that the incident wasn't at all a targeted attack motivated by politics or race. It just happened to take place in Wisconsin two days after the Rittenhouse verdict. Just a coincidence, I'm sure. Pretty convenient then that the incident definitely wasn't a deliberately targeted attack given the suspect's political proclivities. Posts made under Brooks' SoundCloud rapper name include the following. Calls for random violence to be inflicted on white people, a post that referred to white people as the enemy, another post that celebrated violence and enslavement of white people, along with numerous other anti-police posts and others that amplified BLM rhetoric and expressed solidarity with Colin Kaepernick. One of his songs titled Minnesota name checks BLM icons George Floyd and Eric Garner while asserting, quote, try and use deadly force, we're going to go harder. But I'm sure that we can trust the authorities when they tell us that none of this was a motivating factor. Especially given that Daniel Thompson, the police chief of Waukesha, led a Black Lives Matter march in June 2020 and made his officers kneel in homage. Kyle Rittenhouse was smeared by the media as a domestic terrorist white supremacist for defending himself legally against a violent mob. Imagine what their reactions would have been to a white person plowing through a BLM rally in Wisconsin, who then, when you check their Facebook page, was also posting violent threats against African Americans and Confederate flags. I think the media may have treated the story somewhat differently. Kyle Rittenhouse shooting three Antifa in self-defense, none of whom were black, is white terrorism. A BLM supporter who made anti-white rap songs ramming his car through dozens of innocent whites at a Christmas market. Just fleeing a crime. Battleground America with Terra Servatius. Please subscribe on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Share with friends, family, and other free thinkers. Thanks for listening.